We have a, a world that we're living in that is in desperate need of peace. Would anybody disagree with me on that? I mean, look at our world. It's desperate. And the problem is, is that people don't all know where to find it. They're looking, they're trying, but they can't find it unless they come to know the God of peace. I titled this morning's message, The Prince of Peace Has Come. And probably the most read and published verse in all of the Bible at Christmas time, we see it all over the place, is that verse out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then it finishes with this, the Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah, 740 years before Christ, gave this prophecy. That in itself is incredible. 740 years before it came to pass, he'd already prophesied that a son would be given. And here we are 2,000 years later, 2,700 years later, as a church, knowing that the son had been given to this world. The Prince of Peace. I want to focus this morning on that last description of Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. I think it's pretty incredible to think that God would send His Son. Think of that perfect place of serenity in heaven. No chaos. No sin. None of those things that we experience here. In this perfect serenity of heaven, God sends His Son to be born into this world, into a world that is full of chaos. Full of sin. That's the God we serve. He left His habitation in heaven to come to a world of chaos. A world that has no peace. If you look up that word peace in the Bible, you'll find that in the Old and the New Testament, you can find it 429 times throughout the Bible. It's a word that for all of us, we all want it. And we want to experience it. Every single day as we live in this world of chaos and sin. We read and we saw this last clip of those shepherds living out in the field. You know, and then the angel of the Lord coming 
to them. I mean, what a miraculous way. I mean, could you imagine being out in that field yourself and then just seeing this host of angels begin to worship? I mean, that would, that would grip, just as we saw in that clip, I would grip you with fear and awe of what they saw. This multitude of heavenly hosts lighting up the sky, hearing them, and then, you know, just the words that came out of their mouth. The Prince of Peace had come, had been birthed into this world. And he he came in such a manner that this world didn't even expect. Even the Jews, his own people, they, they stumbled over him, born in a, in a manger, born in a city that was an undesirable city, grew up in a town that was an undesirable place to grow up. That's our Lord. That's how Jesus chose to come, so that you and I could relate to him completely. The Prince of Peace came and came to this world in a human level. He was all flesh. But he came into this world as the Prince of Peace to a world that lacked peace. Many of us know that lack of peace when it comes to conflicts within our families. Conflicts that happen even within the church, the body of Christ. Conflicts within our places that we work. Conflicts in the states. Conflicts in our nation. Conflicts in the world. This world is full of conflict and no peace. It's always been the same problem. And but here's the thing is, is that men and women don't know the way of peace unless we tell them. Unless they hear the good news of the gospel. They don't know the way of peace. And we know the way. Those of us that know Christ, we can let people know that they can have peace. Peace in their heart and their soul. They can have it. Forgiveness of sins. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And then it says this, And the way of peace they have not known. They haven't known it. It's been said since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. The periodical magazine discovered, and and it wrote this, It says, of the 3,530 years of recorded history, 
only 286 years of that time saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties that had been made over that course of time, and all of them were broken. That's the world that we live in. The God that left His place of habitation to come to a world of war and conflict so that He might save us, that He might give us peace. You see, the opposite of peace is war. The opposite of peace is conflict. But, it, but it's also opposite of anxiety and worry. Anyone here dealt with that lately? Anxiety and worry. The opposite of peace. You see, the Lord wants us to experience that kind of peace in our lives day in and day out as His children. The Bible commentator Matthew Henry wrote, Peace is such a precious jewel that I would give anything for it but truth. He would give anything for it except truth. So let me ask you all this morning, how precious is peace to you? How much do you need of it? Even now. Even in this holiday season. Even as you know what week you've just come out of and what week you had of ahead of you. How precious is this peace that comes from God to you? How would you define peace? What does having peace mean to you as an individual person? I read a story by Billy Graham in a devotional that I think gave us a practical illustration of peace. It was during the First World War on Christmas Eve. The battlefield was strangely quiet. As the soft snow, uh, soft snow fell, the thoughts of, a, of the young men were of home and their families. Softly, one lad began to hum, Silent Night. Others took up the course until the trenches resounded with the Christmas song. When they finished, they were astonished to hear the song echoing from the trenches across no man's land. In their own language, the other soldiers also sang Silent Night. That night, they were thinking of the Prince of Peace, the Christ of Christmas. How different this world would be if we would unite together around the holy infant so tender and mild. Earth can be as a heaven with Christ. Discord can be as peace when Christ is near. Midnight gloom can be transformed into noonday brightness when He abides with us. You see, wherever Christ is, there's peace. 
when Christ is at a distance from us, there's a lot of chaos, isn't there? There's a lack of peace. But when Christ comes into the center of our heart and lives, we're surrounded with His peace. No matter what's going on, we can be at peace. Full peace that only Christ can bring, we haven't even yet experienced it because we live in a world that lacks peace. But there is coming a day when the King of Peace is going to set up His kingdom here on earth in that millennial reign. And it's going to be a world now governed by the King of Peace. I look forward to that day. The millennial reign of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I come before You this morning. I lift up, Lord, this church and those of us that have gathered this morning. I pray, Lord, that You would, Lord, by Your Holy Spirit, speak Your truth into our hearts. And not just the truth about peace, but Lord, that we might experience Your peace this morning. Whatever things are weighing upon our hearts, those things that just seem to nag upon us, create fear, create anxiety, create... Uh, Lord, even division. Lord, would You reign in our hearts this morning? And we thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have another question that's a little bit more heart-searching. Are you experiencing, even as I speak, are you experiencing God's perfect peace in your life right now? Because I would say that in a room of this size, of this amount of people, there's probably some of us that have that anxiety and that worry and those things that are going on in our hearts. We're overwhelmed. We've got a lot going on. We've got family. We've got different things that we're contending with. And health issues. It could be a whole number of different things that we just find our, our hearts being overwhelmed with no peace. I want to define peace, but I also want this morning to tell us what the enemies of our peace are and then also what the path to peace is. Peace is defined, actually if you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, it defines peace as a state of tranquility or a quiet. It's freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. It's harmony in personal relations a pact or an agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity, a state of rest in contrast with or following strife or turmoil. That's a long definition of peace. Does this definition, though, define 
what you're currently experiencing as a Christian. We also have the world that we live in and a world that is without peace. Uh, There's little peace in it. And and that's understandable, isn't it? It's understandable that we live in this world without peace because there are billions of people in this world without Christ. And without Christ, there is no real peace. We've all heard the words, and if you want to just spend some time seeing what people say about peace and trying to find peace, key that into your Google search. And you'll find a whole list a mile long of all kinds of sayings and all kinds of things that people are are just searching for how you find this one word, peace. Some of them that we're familiar with is that there's no peace for the wicked. No peace without justice. Peace, not war. How about no guns, no peace? We've heard that one. How about no women, no peace? (laughs) We've heard that too. But don't get it wrong, church. Because there's a lot of sayings out. There's a lot of things that you can look up on the internet and go, but that's not the path to peace. You see, true peace is only found in the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the one who was birthed into this world. That he might save us from our sin, that he might bring about peace in our hearts. This world that we live in, I believe, is really hungering for peace and tranquility. People are out, they're marching, they're campaigning for it. They want it. But they can't seem to find it. We're continually hearing about the failing Middle East peace talks, aren't we? How long has that been going on? And they can't find a remedy. They can't fix it. It's only the King of Peace that can. And they're in a continual state of unrest, aren't they? They're always protecting their borders because their enemy is on the fringe of their borders. And there's no peace in sight. Even for Israel. The Bible says that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars in the last days. And, you know, and it's going to remain that way up until Christ's second coming. It's going to lead up to that. And we're living in those days now. And it is even within the hearts of even some Christians bringing an unrest. And it shouldn't. We've been told what it'll be like in the last days. And that we can have that perfect peace in the midst of a world that is full of war and rumors of war. We have people, and I don't even know if you realize this, but we have people today, (laughs) this is amazing to me, but they actually are fighting to stop peace. Did you know that? Did you know that there are people that are trying to create an anarchy? 
They don't even want peace. They're fighting against peace. That's the kind of world that we're in. But people are also desperate for that inner peace. And here's the problem, though. They're looking in all the wrong places. People without Christ, they what? They turn to drugs. And those drugs sometimes are legal drugs. Legal drugs and illegal drugs. Why? Because it does something for them. Gives them a little bit of peace for the moment. And they turn to drugs. They turn to psychiatrists looking for answers. They pay secular counselors to to give them some answer, some hope, something that would give them some peace to, to calm this conflict that they have in their soul or in relationships. That happens in marriages. Happens in family. But let me answer this problem very simply. If you're here this morning, you're searching for peace. And I'm talking about the real peace that I've been explaining. That real peace, whether it's in a relationship or in your own heart and your own mind. You're only going to find it this way. From the Prince of Peace. That's it. It's your only answer. It's your only hope. So save your money on the psychiatrist. (laughs) Save your money on the drugs. You know, you'll find it in the Prince of Peace. Isaiah brings out a verse that's very descriptive of somebody that has no peace. He says, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And then it says this, there is no peace, says my God for the wicked. No peace. Can't find it. Can't have it. Unless they turn to the Prince of Peace They can't have it. I read a t-shirt one time that said this, no Jesus, no peace. That's N-O. And then it says, no Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W. And that's the only way that people are going to have peace. Through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember the day that the war ended with you? The day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ? The battle ended. You were no longer fighting against God. There was no more enmity between you and God. It ended. And you had peace knowing that God had forgiven you of all of your sin. That you came into this personal relationship with the living God. That He loves you. That He gave His life for you. That's a day of rejoicing for all of us that have experienced it. 
If you were to look up this word peace in a Bible dictionary, it's defined in a Greek word that means to join or bind together into a whole. To join or to bind together into a whole that which has been separated. It it, it literally pictures the binding or joining together again of something that has been separated or divided and it bringing it together. That's what happened when you gave your life to Christ. Separated by sin. The fall of man. And when Jesus Christ came into this world, He brought that peace to this world that we can have in Him. And that He brings us back into this relationship with Him. He binds us together once again. When there's peace in your marriage, what's happening there? You're bound together. When there's a lot of conflict going on, I don't know where we're going in this marriage. But peace, here we are. Back together. That's what God desires in our relationship with Him, but He also desires it in our relationship with one another. It's very, peace is very relational, isn't it? Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. Did you hear that? For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from two, thus making peace. And that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity And He came and He preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through Him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. That's what we all want. That's what we all have access to. Those who know Christ. So what are some of the enemies of peace in your life? What is it that actually causes us to not have peace? And I, and I would say that this list is not exhaustive. There's actually a lot of things that you could add to this list, but I'm going to bring out a few. The first one, and they're not in any particular order, is sin and disobedience in our lives as Christians. If we walk in compromise, if we walk in sin, it's an enemy of the peace that you can have with God. Remember King David when he wrote in Psalm 32, verse 3, he says, when I kept silent, speaking about his personal self between him and God, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groanings all day long. He was unsettled. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality turned 
into the drought of summer. You ever been in that place? I have. Where you're walking in compromise and you know it. You're not right with the Lord in your own heart. And there's an unsettledness. There's a lack of peace within you. It's an enemy of the peace that God wants you to experience every day. Romans 8.6, Paul wrote, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. It's a benefit of being spiritually minded versus carnally minded or fleshly minded. If we have unconfessed sin in our life as believers. God doesn't let us rest easy, does He? He doesn't let us kick it under the rug and just go on. We have to deal with it. And when we deal with it, and I think all of us have experienced it, as soon as we repent and get our hearts right before the Lord, what happens? There's peace again. The battle's over. I'm not fighting God anymore with this sin that I love. It's done. Another enemy of sin is anger. Have you ever tried to have a a good night's sleep when you're angry at your spouse? Restless nights. It's not easy, is it? There's no peace. And then all of a sudden you come back together and there, there's some reconciliation. Peace again. Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Why? Paul says deal with it quickly. So that you won't go a whole week and a whole month and a whole year living with no peace. Because you haven't reconciled what you need to reconcile with your spouse. The third enemy of peace is lacking unity. This unity can be in relationships at home, at work, at church. It could just, it's just that lack of unity. There's no peace. When we're battling up against people, That peace of mind that we once had gets disrupted when there's disunity. Paul exhorted the Romans in chapter 12, verse 18. He says, if it's possible, underline that, if it's possible, sometimes it seems like it's not, but if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Another enemy of peace is fear. Do you know that one? We saw these video clips <laughs> from all that. They were like petrified. Fear. It's an enemy of peace. It's when Jesus walked out to the, the disciples and when they were in the boat. Peace. All of a sudden, the storm calms out. And they experience it in the moment. 
I think we've all probably had those times. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of fear. God hasn't given it to us. Can you well up with confidence in the Lord in the midst of things that should cause fear in your life? But all of a sudden you're just going, but God, I have a stronger confidence in you. And that gives me great peace. How about when you're having some kind of a health issue? You're waiting for the report to come back. Can you experience in the kind of peace that God wants to give you in the midst of that waiting? You say, well, I'm just human. Yeah, we are. And we will have those times of, of fear. But God, help me to run to You, the God of all peace that can give me peace in the midst of it. Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4.18 that there is no fear in love. But perfect love, it casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We need to work on this love relationship this way. Know how much God loves you. Know how much He wants to work in your life. Even in the midst of your trials, even in your difficulties, God loves you. His hand is upon you. And He wants to remove that fear because He's with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said. The last one that I've got on a list, and like I say, there could be more. And it, but this is a big one. Worry. Worry is an enemy of peace. Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 6.27, which of you by worrying can add one cubic to your stature or to your height? Does it do any good? It doesn't. But we seem to want to do it because somehow or another we think it might help. And it doesn't. It just gives us ulcers. It gives us other problems. Also in Matthew 6.34, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's enough trouble in one day. Just contend with that. Don't look ahead till tomorrow, next week, next month. Hey, oh yeah, well, what about what's going to happen to us 10 years from now? You know what I mean? We haven't, we haven't been saving for retirement. What we, oh God, I've been worrying about it. I'm sick over this. Stop. We don't have to worry if our bank account you know, drops below 10000 You Don't be happy if you got five bucks in it, I guess. But we worry about things. Paul writing to in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he says, Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always in every way. That's a great verse. I, actually, I think that would be a good one to memorize. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Write it down on a piece of paper this week. Post it on your mirror. Memorize it so that you can call it to mind when you feel the storm rising up. I want to finish with the path to peace. 
As I've already said, it starts first by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way that anyone experiences true peace. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Secondly, you need to be continually growing in your knowledge of the God of peace. You need to grow in your understanding of who He is. You need to be reminded by reading His Word of His faithfulness in your life. You need to understand God's character and who He is. You need to know that your peace can only come from God. He's the source of your peace. You need to stop looking in all of the wrong places. You see, even as Christians, we run to other sources other than the God of peace. We run to other ways and and, and places to try and get it. We even try to go to our, you know, it doesn't mean we can't glean from our brothers and sisters, but they don't ultimately have it for you. We need to have a daily devotional time with God. You see, if you don't spend time with God on any regular basis at all, you're starving yourself. You're going to come up short in the time of need. You're going to find that anxiety and relational problems and wars on the inside of you and wars on the outside, that they're going to creep up more. They're going to be, they're going to be there. Because you're not spending time with the King of Peace. How many times have you sat down and began to pray and all of a sudden there's a perfect calm? Wow. Okay. All right. Or you picked up the Word of God and you read it. Started reading the Psalms when you're really under it. Wow, okay. Calm in the storm. We need to do that regularly. We need to see the need for it. Pray more. Read more. Spend time more especially as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Because uh, uh, let, me get, let me tell you something I can say with assurance. It's not going to get any better. Don't, don't mind a lie. Well, you know, somebody can come up with the answer to all this. No, it's not going to get any better. So we've got to do those things that are going to prepare us to go through a world that has no peace. Lastly, we need to know this source of peace, where the true source lies. Jesus, on the night of his arrest, he sat down with his disciples, knowing that there was going to come a time of unrest, knowing that there was going to come a time that they were going to be tested greatly, that fear was going to grip them. Just that evening, And here's the Prince of Peace sitting down at that Last Supper. And he says to his disciples, he says, these things I have spoken to you while I was present with you. While I'm sitting here with you, I'm going to tell you these things. Because I know what's coming ahead. You don't see it, but I see it already. 
I'm speaking these things to you while I'm sitting here with you face to face. He says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. In other words, all these things, these three years, all these things I've been saying to you, they're going to come to your remembrance. God's going to allow you to remember by His Holy Spirit these things that I'm saying to you now. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, man. I injected that. Neither let it be afraid. That was Jesus' words to his disciples on the night of his arrest. Great words. He knew they were going to need it. He knew they were going to be able to glean from it. The problem is they, they, they hid in fear. They didn't experience it right off. If they would have clung to every word that he said, they would have experienced it even in the midst. Even when they were hiding from the Romans, that were, they were thinking they were the next to be arrested. This peace... It's found in the Prince of Peace. We're selling, celebrating Christmas. And, you know, the Prince of Peace is here. That gift that was given by the Father to this world. It's what Christmas is all about. These trees up here on the stage, they don't mean one thing to me. They don't mean, they're, they're pretty, turn the lights on, they look pretty. They don't mean anything to me. Anything spiritual. They're just simply a tree sitting there. Tradition. It's nothing. Everything and every reason why we're here today is about the Prince of Peace. The one that was born into this world to save us from our sin. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.